On this DMV Sports Roundtable, the Nationals' second half starts Friday in Philadelphia. Will they get cold again or keep up the strong play to maybe even cruise into the playoffs? Follow our podcast on Twitter at DMV Sports Round 1. I'm Dimitri Sotis with one of our regular co-hosts, the only guy that decided to stay in town this week, Jamal Bowens, the security guard with the encyclopedic sports knowledge and a passion for all the local teams. And on Skype, we've got Neil Greenberg of the Washington Post. He specializes in sports statistics. He joins us to preview the Nats second half you're certainly crunching a lot of other numbers what are you working on uh, if anything in terms of the Nats uh, I know it's not the most original question at the all-star break to ask what's this team going to do for the second half but but that's what we're interested in yeah I mean this team certainly looks like a, a playoff team and you know that's something that you really couldn't say um, coming into I would say June. But um, you know, thanks to Max Scherzer, who was the the pitcher of the month in June, just was absolutely stellar. Six and zero, didn't give up many runs, struck out a ton of batters, sixty eight batters. Um, I'm actually have a, I'll have a uh, an article in print on Sunday's edition about how I think uh, he should be the NL MVP if the if the Nats continue on this uh, playoff trajectory. Now, Neil, let me ask you this: You said this is a playoff team. So, with that being said, after you know the next three weeks, would probably tell you where they are in terms of buying and selling. You say they're a playoff team, then they're buyers. What? Who do you think they go after? They definitely have to get some. Uh, some bullpen help. Do you have any names, a list that we can look out for in case they are buyers before the deadline? They're definitely a 50-50 chance to make the playoffs. Um, Like you said, we'll have to see where they're at once the trade deadline, but um, bullpen help is going to be critical. Um, It's tough to say what names they go after because you know, the, the trade deadline isn't what it used to be. There's a lot of teams that think that they're still in it that aren't. Um, there's some teams that uh, aren't in it but like to think that they are. So to get a handle on who it should be is, is a little bit difficult. But, um, you know, you look at this team for sure, and the most glaring weakness they have is the bullpen, especially in that seventh to eighth inning. Um, so my guess is they would try to get some help there. Um, as far as what they can move for that, I'm I'm not really sure. It really depends on who's available. Lucky for them to get up a setup reliever won't cost as much as a as a true closer. Um, but yeah, the the bullpen, the bullpen's really the only reason why I think that you'd have to be skeptical about their chances of being mm-hmm. a playoff team because um, you know you have Scherzer and you have Steven Strasburg and you have Doolittle. It's getting from one to the other that can sometimes be problem problematic. Do you think that these next series, I would say the next two, uh, they got the Orioles in between. The, the, the Orioles are the Orioles. But you, you got this set on Friday starting in Philly. You got the Orioles in between, and you come back with the Braves. I would say, yeah. Right there, does that let you know where they're going? Are those, does these, those two series make or break what's going to happen in the second half of the season? Yeah, I mean, inter, you know, divisional games, I think, are key. I'm not sure the Nationals have – a chance at the division, or at least not a very good chance at the division. Right. Um, certainly, picking up some games against the Braves would help, um, and and obviously beating the Phillies helps in the in the wild card. Um, you know, the the one in between is though is the one I'd worry about with the Orioles because. Okay. It's almost a trap series, right? I mean, right. it's a series that you 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 should take three games in, and and if we you know we learned with as good of a run as the Nats have had since what May twenty fourth, you know they haven't really gained much ground on the Braves because the Braves are also good. Right. So the the series against the Orioles is is interesting because that that should be three wins, 
And, you know, right now with the way the national season started, they they can't afford to give any series away. They can't afford to give any, um, I hate to use the term easy wins, but, you know, the Orioles aren't a very good team. Um, But, yeah, these next, uh, what is it, nine games are going to be very telling uh, as to the future of the Washington club. I agree it could be a trap, uh, but the way that they – ended with series against I guess you would say lesser teams going into the uh, all-star break it, it kind of gives me a little bit more uh, optimism that you know they won't fall into that trap that's laid out there when you have two division series that loom large uh, for the rest of the second half of the season and they might not take a dip with the Orioles because they they had to keep that momentum that edge uh, going against the Royals and teams you know not so great to keep that momentum going into the all-star break yeah, I mean you have you have to win series against teams like the Orioles for sure. Um, that's going to help keep you afloat. And then you know, like you said, you gotta you gotta beat the Phillies and the Braves if you want to move ahead into the the playoff chase. Um, every division game is, is critical. I think. I think the Nationals will end up as the second-best team in the division. Um, again, I'm not sure they can catch the Braves. The Braves do a lot of, thing, a lot of things well, um, and they, they have a six-game lead on the Nationals right now. I mean, that's, that's, that's tough to overcome. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's gonna, you, you really do have to take this, this national team series by series um, because they don't have a lot of room for error. I mean, if they, if they start dropping a series or two, uh, they can fall back in the standings pretty quickly. Right. I don't know if the All-Star Games media coverage, the, you know, what the announcers are saying is any indication of how the national media look at the Nationals. But you would think that the Phillies were first place in the, you know, in the division, uh, given how much attention they were getting. I guess when Bryce Harper's on your team, that's what happens. I also think that a lot of uh, media organizations wanted the, the Phillies to be good only because this was really... This was probably the only division that that had much of a divisional fight, right? I mean, you look at, you know, the Central with the Cubs, the Dodgers, you look at the Astros and, you know, the Yankees and Red Sox. I mean, those were the teams that were supposed to lock up their divisions pretty easily. We end up having a little bit of a run in the NL Central and, you know, we were supposed to have a three-way, perhaps even a four-way race in the NL East if the Mets were able to to keep some stuff together. Um, so I think that it's um, they're probably rooting more for a storyline than the Phillies themselves. Um, but, you know, like you said, I mean, the Phillies were – they made a big splash in free agency. They, they got a division rival. They got a player in Bryce Harper that's very easy to hate. In terms of being a fan, mm-hmm. um, so it was a it was an interesting storyline in Philadelphia. Um, so I think a lot of people are hoping that at the very least uh, everything maintains the way it is, right? Because if the if the season ended today, the Nationals and Phillies would play in the playoffs, right? They play that one game playing game in the playoffs, which you know, I think would be a huge rating grabber. To what you were saying, Dimitri, about <laughs> they were talking about Philly, and it, it is supposed to be a story, but the our Harper misses the All Star game. Yeah. Despite right. the signs around the arena, right? They were all the over the place. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I I got a lot of flack for writing about Bryce Harper and, and what he was worth a couple of years ago, and last year, and this year. Um, and I don't think I've ever seen a player take such a downward spiral so quickly. I mean, we're talking about the 2015 unanimous NL MVP, um, and then I don't know if the book was out on him so much, but I think it's a combination of he he appears to be easy to frustrate in the plate. He's swinging at a lot of pitches outside of the zone. They're shifting him like two-thirds of the time he's on base. 
so he was having a very difficult go of it this year. And, you know, like you said, he wasn't an all-star. Um, he, I don't want to say he's a bust for the Phillies, but year one is not going as planned. And if the Phillies want to have any chance of digging out of this hole that they're in, they're going to need Bryce Harper to to be more the 2015 version of himself than the 2018 version. Because, you know, when you pay a guy like that that much money, it limits your ability to get other players and to get complementary players around. So um, they need him to to figure it out quickly. Um, because right now it's just he's on he's on pace for some career lows in in a lot of the most important categories a batter can have. And also, if they want to keep their fan base, this fan base will turn on you in a <laughs> yeah, heartbeat. Yeah, They're very I mean, fickle. We've seen it this year just in a game. He's been cheered in the game. He's been booed in the same game and cheered again in that exact <laughs> no. same game. So for so, Philly, yes, you, you, you want to make something happen. But for that fan base, and they know how tenuous that fan base is, if they want to keep them engaged, because they will turn quick. If they want yeah, to keep I mean, them engaged, a, Bryce has a, got to do something. Yeah, I mean, this is the fan base that threw batteries at Santa yeah. at a Philadelphia Eagles game, right? I mean, so they also punch horses in the face, right? So their yeah, their their tolerance level for mediocrity is low at best, right? And um, you know, again, you're coming off uh, you know the the richest contract in, in baseball history, mm-hmm. and um, you know, looked at it as a savior of sorts. I mean, that there was there was a lot of talk about how the Phillies were now title contenders and. Um, after adding Bryce Harper, and you know, I know they've had some injury concerns, but you know, again, to for him not to be an All Star, for the Phillies not yet to be in contention for the division, having a tenuous hold on a on a playoff uh, atmosphere, it's uh, things aren't going well in Philadelphia right and now. And this is 13 years of this. Yeah, 13 yeah. years. This is year one of a 13 year contract. Yeah. How does this look and, going forward? I mean, mentally, especially for Bryce Harper as a player. <laughs> He's got to find his way out of this funk and find his way into the embrace of this fan base and this city because the next 12 years, if this continues for this season, is going to be hell going forward in that town. Yeah, and and, and batters don't get better with age, right? I mean, right. if you're not naturally, it, no, and if you're looking at um, you know 2015 as his peak, which it has been. And then you look at the decline since then. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope he doesn't go on the internet or, or read it in the Philly papers because <laughs> they're they're not going to be kind. But have we uh, demonstrated something just within this podcast the, the past few minutes that uh, it's it's a little sexier to talk about Bryce and the Phillies, the Nats less sexy, and yet uh, maybe that's what it takes is kind of a a workmanlike approach to getting into the playoffs this year for Washington. Yeah, I think we we naturally gravitate to the extremes, right? Players that are either slumping or surging. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Nats, I know that they've had a little bit of a surge, but, you know, by and large, they've they've been kind of a, a 500 team or thereabouts almost the, the whole season. And, you know, it's just now that they're starting to, to get some traction in the playoff race. Um, and and not even as a divisional winner, right? They're they're kind of a wild card team with a with a bunch of other teams. So unless they they do something that that kind of differentiates themselves from the pack as a team, it's going to be difficult to talk to them. I think everyone's talking about Max Scherzer and and mm-hmm. the performance that he's had as of late. 
But aside from him, I mean, there's there's really not much to talk about. I mean, Anthony Rendon, you're talking about his contract situation. Will he be here or will he just walk, um, you know, after Bryce Harper left? Um, Trey Turner's having an okay year. Juan Soto is, is having an okay year, but nothing like we saw last year. Um, Patrick Corbin has had his spots. I mean, there's aside from from Scherzer and Rendon's contract, I mean, there's there's not much to talk about this team. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could see why the media at large would be lukewarm on them. I mean, we're we're based in Washington D.C., so for us, it's a little bit different. But on a national level, I mean, I can see why they don't really move the needle all that much. I think for me as a fan, it's okay. They, they've had this surge. They're, they're five games over 500. But in the back of my mind, I remember 19 and 31 not so long ago. Mm. And you're getting into yeah. the second half of the season. And you want to be optimistic, but you don't want to get too ahead of yourself. There's almost a little apprehension in in terms of like really putting everything into this team and say, okay, we're turned around 100% now. We're going to make a run for the playoffs, whether it be a wild card spot or whatever it is, or try to you know challenge the Braves as much as possible. But the second half of the season just starting. We're not. I don't. The wheels could fall off the bus very. We've seen that in, in sports. We, you know, a team have. gets hot towards the, the end, All Star break, and they hit the second half of the season, and the wheels fall off the bus. Although Jamal, I've always known you as an optimist, whether it's the Skins or anybody I, else. And but uh, you know what? It's tempered optimism. It's yeah. it's not. I'm not fully drinking the Kool Aid. Just took a sip. That's <laughs> it. But I, I I don't try to fall. I've been a fan of teams in this area way too long. To just have blind uh, homerism and blind hope. Yeah, I'm tentatively I'm with them, but I'm very cautious going into the second half of the season because the beginning of the season was a 19 to 31 team. I don't know what's going to happen. God forbid, is any injuries or anything, and they fall right back in, into the hole they were in. They had to dig themselves out at the beginning of the season. And they haven't really done anything to to get the benefit of the doubt, right? right. I mean, we, you know, we talked about that earlier in the season. Scherzer was pitching maybe not as well as he did in June, but he was pitching exceptionally well, but he was getting, what, two runs in support per game. I mean, mm-hmm. it, was, it was impossible for him to win. The Nationals' bats went cold. You know, Patrick Corbin wasn't, wasn't really pitching all that well. And, um, you know, there's real no playoff successes to, to kind of hang your hat on in terms of, oh, they'll be able to turn it around just like they did, you know, in season whatever. I mean, there there's very little benefit of the doubt that they've earned and um, that's why I really do think you have to take it series by series and you know maybe you and I you and I can get back together at the end of the month and and see where they're at but um, you know yeah I would take a very cautious approach because until they distinguish themselves as a bona fide wild card team until they grab hold of that and or really contend for the Braves, right? Maybe they're only one game back with, you know, a month left to play in the season. You know, then it might be time to start getting excited. But, you know, for right now, they're probably where we thought they would be at the beginning of the season in terms of um, their standing in the NL East. It just the road that they got there being cold and then hot, mm-hmm. um, you know, at least now because you're, the recency is the hot part, you're, you're a lot more optimistic. And not to pile on the pessimistic side of it, but just uh, just to, to keep in perspective, the last three series or so that they played heading into on the streak heading into the All Star break were against subpar teams. You're starting you're yeah. starting off against 
you know, three series, two against division rivals, and, and these teams are we're half a game above Philly. We're only game up on the Mets. All of this is very that those three teams are very tight. Even though you know the Braves have this dominance, they're six games up on us. But us, the Phillies and the Mets, still very close. Sure. So so all of this is very, they have to start off keep that hop streak going. I hope they can. But we also have to keep in mind that the teams that they beat heading in were subpar. Yeah, I mean, they beat the Marlins in the series, and everyone's like high fiving and, you know, planning how good this team's going to be going forward. I mean, you're supposed to beat the Marlins, right? And right. the same thing with the Orioles coming up. I mean, those are, you know, wins are wins, and I, and I get that. But, you know, sweeping the Marlins and sweeping the Orioles doesn't doesn't tell you what kind of team you are right i mean it's you know sweep the braves and sweep the pirates in in, you know on the bookends of that Orioles series and then let's see where you're at after that so um yeah i mean you absolutely have to beat the teams that you should beat and then you just have to do you know at least split series or you know eke out a win here and there against the teams that are ahead of you and um you know i'm interested to see how this team responds over the second half because it's mm-hmm. going to get warmer. Um, you know, more home runs are hit in the warmer weather, and we've already seen a record number of home runs be yep. hit. Um, you know, the, the the Nationals haven't really had any injury concerns of, of note. Um, you know, that's something that can certainly rear its head later on. I mean, there's a lot of variables here. Um, but, um, you know, so far the Nats have at least gotten themselves to this position. Now let's see uh, what they can do with it. I'm just eager to see them Friday in this first series. You know, can they continue with the momentum but also be able to continue to win against winning teams? I think that's what I want to say. I want to see competitiveness. I want to see a fire. I want to see – I don't want them to come in – and then you see a, a, a depleted team because they put in so much effort and exertion. You know, Rendon and Serger did not play last night because they had little nagging injuries that, you know, they needed this this little bit of a break before the uh, second half of the season starts to, to kind of heal that and come in fresh. So I, I'm just eager to see them play uh, higher competition, I guess, better teams, and how do they play against these winning teams, especially in these division series? Yeah, I mean, no one expects them to be the Dodgers, right? No one expects yeah. them to, you know, come out and and just absolutely lay out opponents. But show you belong, right? Show right. your you belong in the conversation of playoff teams, and that, you know, if you get in, you're not going to be a sacrificial lamb to right. whoever you play mm-hmm. in the first round. I mean, you know, show that you're you have the talent. They were expected to be one of the more talented teams in in the NL. And, um, you know, start to, to put that together. And, you know, I would say if if Davey Martinez gets through the second half of the year with no one writing about how he's on the hot seat, that is, is probably the biggest win because that seemed mm-hmm. to be an undercurrent of the first oh, yeah. half of the, of the season almost at every turn up until June. And if not for Scherzer playing the way he's playing, we probably are still having that conversation. <laughs> so, um, you know, that for me is going to be a, a barometer. Are we still talking about Davey, John, uh, Davey Martinez losing his job? I think he's definitely bought himself in time. Our co-host Chris Chion had said right. that he would be fired by this time. We had written the epitaph yeah, as well. So he, we, yeah, he, you Davey had I mean, bought himself some there. time up till now. But I think on the positive side, since we did throw a little doom and gloom for the positive side, Nets fans, I still think Soto, Robles, 
can still they can have a monster second half of the season because they're still developing. I didn't expect Soto to have the exact same season that he had last year. It, it's hard to, as a 20-year-old, since you've done so much as a 19-year-old to come back from that, but he's had a solid season. Uh, Javi Kendricks has been phenomenal in keeping the bats going and coming in when he comes in. Eaton's playing well. Dozier's gotten better here and there. But I still think Robles and Soto's have an opportunity if they start to click and develop as young players to have a, if they have a big second half of the season, then they should be in pretty good standing. Yeah, I mean, Rendon is a, is a, a friends superstar yes. at third base, right? Yes, he is. Juan Soto certainly put himself on the map. He's batting 300 with 15 home runs. You know, Victor Robles has 14 home, 13 home runs. He's batting, what, 250, 245, mm-hmm. somewhere thereabouts. And, you know, like you said about Howie Kendrick, I mean, there was a lot of pixels dedicated to how he should be an all-star. Yeah. And, you know, what he's meant coming off the bench as he's a reserve and, and playing all different positions. And, um, you know, so the and we're kind of seeing why the the organization felt comfortable letting Harper walk because mm-hmm. they have all the bats that we, we just talked about. It's It really is the bullpen that let them down so many times, um, especially in starts of Scherzer and, and Strasburg that they're they're probably in the predicament that they're in um now that's gotten better but Mm -hmm. it was it was historically bad so um you know hopefully all that's behind them and they're able to to get some formula that works for the for the seventh and eighth inning and um you know they can keep leads because they can get leads with their bats and they can get leads with the pitching performances of their starters um then we we could be having a much different conversation a month from now it could be it could be a very positive conversation i mean there's no there's no de facto champion in the nl to the point that you know they're not vulnerable so i think that um you know it's 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 a, a unique situation this year in terms of um, how wide open the field is once you get past maybe the the, the best or second best team in the NL. And well, this is without anything from Michael A. Taylor. Yeah, sure. Do we You're see right. him? Inside? I'm not sure what exactly what his situation is uh, health wise. Do you do you envision him seeing him at some point in the second half of the season? Depending I mean, on how you gotta going. you gotta make a case, and he hasn't. I mean, he was batting what 200, 210 or something before he was sent down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his speed and maybe his glove are, are something that that warrants a second look. But you know, again, I mean, you you look around the league. You you know, we talked about the home runs, and you know, hitting is is probably more important than ever because if you can't keep up with the other teams putting putting balls out of the ballpark, you're you're at a huge disadvantage. I don't think you really have the luxury of having a guy bat 200 or 211 or do whatever it was to to soak up a spot. So um, I'm not I'm not really sure. We'll have to see what he does and, mm-hmm. and see how he makes his way back. Neil, the uh, invitation stands. You mentioned it yourself. We got to talk to you in a month to see where we are. So uh, I hope we can do that. And thank you for being so generous with your time. Appreciate today. it, Neil. Thank you. Good to sure talk thing. To you. Thanks for having me on. I'll talk to you soon. Till next right. time. See you. Neil Greenberg of the Washington Post. The DMV Sports Roundtable is on Apple Podcasts, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, and WTOP's mobile app. Just tap listen. For Jamal, I'm Dimitri. And for Redskins fans, large and small, all around the world, God help us. Thank you.